0: Welcome to In Scripture podcast, we're so glad to have you with us while we dive into scripture to dissect God's word verse by verse. Listen with us and don't forget to leave us questions and feedback as we journey through His word.
1: Welcome to In Scripture everybody for another wonderful episode. Don't know which number. I was going to count them today, but I lost track and forgot.
2: I thought we stopped doing the welcome to in scripture thing since we do like a...
1: We want people to hear welcome to in scripture like four times before they hear it. Welcome, welcome. And then at the end, we say it one more time. You know, it'd be better if each one of us said welcome to in scripture before we start. No, we can
3: do it like you say welcome. Mark says to. I say in. Let's scripture. And then... He says podcast.
4: So there's no denying what you're actually listening to. (laughs) You know, it's in scripture.
2: Yeah. And you'd know to click off if this is the wrong (laughs) podcast. If you accidentally clicked on this one, it's like
3: Um, a disclaimer, but we're just making it known. (laughs) Are you sure you want to listen to this?
0: (laughs) You guys are, you know, so supportive of your own ministry.
1: (laughs) I think this ministry has been going great. Um, Just been looking at a little bit of analytics of what's going on and stuff. So, we, um, we're trucking forward. I think, um, I have, I, I meet, I've been meeting a lot of new people recently and like, I, I would wear my in scripture shirt or hat. And the question always comes up, you know, cause I don't want to be the guy to be like, Oh yeah, you know, I have a podcast. Like I'm never, I'm never that person. But if somebody and asks yet me,
3: you wear a shirt,
1: well, well, that's the thing. Like if somebody asks me like, what's that hat or shirt, I'll be like, Oh, well, my friends and I have a podcast. And then from there, I can just be like... That way,
0: it's the shirt that starts the conversation, exactly. not him.
1: Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I do I do get to meet people and I tell them about it. And um, they usually tune in and they'll like send me a screenshot. Hey, man, listening to your podcast. I was like, oh, awesome. And yeah, our per, you get per episode average stays the same. Okay, <laughs> hey, yeah. you win some and you lose some. I mean... <laughs> Um, but, but I think we all know it's, it's not, you're not, you're never going to get everybody to listen to your most recent episode. People are always behind. People are always like, they try to listen in order. And so there's people that are only starting Ephesians, you know, and we're already on chapter five. So going to be on chapter five, but, um, and so I wanted to talk about a thing today, um, midst, and I've been trying to stay out of this as much as possible, I don't know if it's totally correct as a Christian to do that, or it's better to not do that, but amongst the political turmoil and the war going on, there's a lot of it. It's everywhere in the news. It's everywhere on any page, on any search, and there's just so many topics and opinions about it. Um, I mean, even when you you know get together with friends and family, the conversation always comes up. And so um, I'm hoping we can keep this brief and short, but I figured I'd bring it up. Um, what do you, like, how are we supposed to, as, as Christians, your guys' opinion, um, what are we supposed to do or say when the topic comes up of, you know, Russia and Ukraine and the war going on and politics in general? Um, and the reason I bring that up is because earlier this week we had a Bible study and we were talking about, um, just government as well. And we, you know, we came to the conclusion, Romans 13 talks about that. Everybody in power, everybody that's in control or basically somebody you have to submit to as an authority is put there by God. And so we know that the authority sometimes makes, in our, in our opinion, or I think in everybody's opinion, bad decisions. And so how do we go about that? And that got me thinking about, well, the war going on, you know, you got these two countries. Um, one country's a little bit, not a little bit, a lot big, bigger more powerful and it's attacking a smaller country and you got this divisiveness going on now and you have people putting different flags on their Facebooks and supporting things and all. So as Christians, like, how do you guys go about it? And I guess I can, I can start just while you guys are thinking, I can start kind of from my end. I kind of just been ignoring it fully. Now, um, if, if a moment comes to where, you know, someone tells me or asks me like, Hey, you know, we can support a family or send clothing or donate clothing, like churches are doing a lot of donations and stuff. By all means, we definitely will participate in that. We do have three boxes ready to go already. Um, but other than that, like, is it is it good? If Like, that's kind of what I'm asking. Like, what should we do? And so I've just been kind of ignoring it. It comes up in a family talk. I'm staying out of it because I feel like I don't know enough to say enough, but... That's just what I've been doing. But I don't know if it's completely tr- like completely right. Should we be proclaiming scripture in some way and reminding people like, Hey, you know, it's, it's bad what's going on, but um, the ruling authorities put in that place are put there by God for a reason. Or should we just be like, you know,
0: There's a lot of ways to approach it. And I've heard many stories, many angles, and can't really say one is more right or wrong than the other. Uh, I mean, do you want a short answer or a long answer, Jordan? (laughs) Short. (laughs) How short? Like super short or just What do you do? What do you do and how should, do you think? Should you change I don't do anything anything on social media. I'll tell you that much. Uh, I don't do anything on social media. I don't, I haven't been doing anything on social media for probably like two years now besides just relating stuff to our podcast. Um, And even that's very slim. I'm just not social media Mm -hmm. guy. Um, But... I, my wife and I pray about it, of course. I we both have close family still in Ukraine. I have family in Kharkiv. Hark- mm-hmm. um, Alina's got family in the uh, southern part of Ukraine. So, um, you know, those things are somewhat dear to us. Um, the church, uh, surprisingly, the church that I used to go to in Ukraine, growing up in Kharkiv, is uh, about 900 members. This past, I think it was this past Sunday or last Sunday, we watched a live stream. There was like 20 people there. Mm. Out of like 920 people there. And the pastor was doing everything. He's like, talk about being gifted with multiple talents. He was able to play the piano. He was able to lead worship. He was able to preach all three sermons and do everything. I mean, <laughs> all three sermons. Swiss army of pastors, he right directed there.
3: directed the choir and sang. <laughs> there was no
0: choir <laughs> at the same time. He, he was the choir. He was the choir. But, you know, like his ministry goes on and he's not fleeing. Right, He's old, he's past his 60s, definitely past his 50s. Um, so he's got every right and opportunity to leave the country for you know his sake, but he's staying behind. And I've heard many stories, both Russian and Americans where um, you know, either Americans that were missionaries in Ukraine at the time or Ukrainians, Russians that were in Ukraine at the time or whatever the fact that left, like right before the war started for vacation or whatever, or just rumors and they got a little scared, they just left or whatever. But now that the war started, They're like begging to go back in because they see a need, a huge need in ministry right now. And so like their hearts just like long to go and serve the ones in need right now, whether it be humanitarian aid, whether it be military, whether it be preaching the gospel, whatever the fact may be. So... Of course, we as Christians here in America, I believe, you know, if you are convicted to provide support any way you can, financially, monetary, or humanitarian aid, if you have connections, um, my, uh, my wife and the wife, my wife and I did that because we have some family connections back to the Ukrainian church. So we actually donated. We are able to give money directly to the church through our through our relatives, um, without having to go through some, you know, company or organization or anything like that. Um, but if you're convicted to help, then, you know, answer or uh, act upon that. Definitely pray, pray for peace, pray for wisdom, for God to give repentance to both countries, right? When a war starts, that I don't believe it's any, ever anyone's fault. Um, there's definitely a lot of factors at play, and we will never, ever, ever know why this started to, to the, the very deep bottom I agree. reason.
1: So don't act like you do. So don't
0: act like you know. Yeah. Don't act like you should know. At the end of the day, God allowed this to happen. And this is only a confirmation for us Christians that this, that t- today more than ever, you know, it's it's coming near towards that time. You know, when is it going to be? We don't know. There might be three, 10, 50 more wars after this one. But day by day, we are getting closer to that day. So pray for peace, pray for repentance.
4: I agree. And we, re- like you said, we don't know. both sides. We don't know the powers at play, what's influencing things. But going back to your question, how should a Christian respond? I feel like I am Ukrainian and Russian. My dad was Russian. I'm Ukrainian. I grew up in Kharkiv, Mm -hmm. where you were from. And my family, they're like, some of them are still there. Some people fled to Poland. There's a big need there. But at the end of the day, as Christians, we are not part of a nation You know, like people become like there's a lot of division going on right now where people are split up into camps and the devil loves that to split people up and get people fighting like they they hate each other. At the end of the day, the people on both sides of the border, they didn't actually initiate any of this. It's the people in power, the people, they started this. So there's a lot of hate going on even online. People are like Mm -hmm. blaming each other and pretending that they know all the answers. But as Christians, we are not—we are just pilgrims, right? We're just passing through. And our allegiance should be uh, to Christ and not to our nationality or our roots. Even though I understand how, you know, how deep those are and it, people feel like it was so barbaric and there's a lot of people suffering and we should be helping those people who are innocent. They had no part in any of this and they're suffering and they're being bombed People are dying. Like, it's it's terrible. What's happening?
0: I want to add on just one more thing. Just quick thing before uh, Mark or Mark share. Um, so, as a Christian, I believe we should be aware of what's going on in general. Maybe not to the specific details of all the geopolitical things, but I think we are called to be aware of what's going on around us in the cities, in our countries, uh, internationally, because. Christ called us to do so. If you remember when um, the Pharisees asked about Christ, about his kingdom, and he said that, you know, you are able to tell the weather by the signs in the sky, but you can't tell the signs or the time what's in front of you, meaning Christ, the kingdom's already here. Mm -hmm. And so that's a call to us to be vigilant to what's going on around us because scripture talks about some of those things. And it's up to us Christians to be ready when the prophecies do are fulfilled that we recognize that. That's it. I
3: agree. Um, Vlad mentioned nationality, and I just remember that when we were doing the membership classes for our church, um, we were given a book to read, and in the book it says we are all members of a nation, and it was talking about the kingdom of heaven. So as Christians, we have one nationality, and we're not – Americans, we're not Russians, we're not Ukrainians. Our one nationality is in Christ Jesus, in the mm-hmm. king, in the kingdom of heaven. And that's what we should be pursuing. I think we can probably go into so much details. How I've answered this before was when people asked me, Mark, I don't know anything about Russia. I don't know anything about Ukraine. Can you tell me what's going on? And I said, evil is at work here. Um, you see just evil portrayed because of the killing of innocents. Um, and just the killing of people, all for resources um, on this land. So that was my viewpoint. I didn't go into too many details. There's a lot. You can look from both, and I think both sides have a perspective, but I think there's a lot of misinformation in the media from both sides, and Mm -hmm. that's what divides people because if you listen to one channel, if you listen to one side of the news, everyone's saying this is all fake. Even like some people on Instagram that I follow, that are like anti-government, you would think that they would be like, "Hey, this is wrong." But they're like, "How do we know this is real?" Because they don't know what to believe anymore. When all the fake news around us, even though you know um, people from on the ground from Ukraine, because I think we all have people that are there, they're saying one thing, and we're kind of getting a information directly from the source so we know that there's actually a war going on, whereas Russian propaganda is saying there is no war and then um, so are some of these people who are saying how do we know that this is true, how do we know that there's actually a war going on, and how can we believe what CNN's telling us and MSNBC and on going on. And so I think we just have to make sure that if we do talk about it, we're informed as close to the source as possible instead of just reading some blog somewhere and actually talking about it. Because that's where the tensions fire up because people view things from one source of information and then they just start talking about it. Like even I know people that say there is no war. And I'm like, how can you say that when you see everything that's going on and we have like people from ukraine sending us videos directly from their own cell phone of mm-hmm. shootings and bombings
2: <laughs> i don't know man there's so much we can talk about with this whole situation and and i feel like we're only scratching the surface of the more important side which is the spiritual side because of course there's a lot of things we can do on like a day-to-day basis to stay informed or stay correctly informed you know as mark is kind of alluding to But at the end of the day, if if we're talking on a spiritual level, I I think this is I think you said it perfectly, Mark, that this is evil at work. And personally, I think believers have no place in this whole game of politics or war or any of this stuff. And I know that seems like, oh, duh. But how often do we really see ourselves playing this game? And it's not just this. This just happens to be the most recent thing, dividing believers. But before this, it was the the big bad COVID thing. And before that, it was elections. And before that, it was something else. There's always something. Because mm-hmm. Satan knows the best way to bring us down is to divide us. And so at the end of the day, for a believer, I truly think that there isn't much argument here. Because to a believer, they're looking at the situation and they don't see right and wrong. They don't see the good guys and the bad guys. They don't see one news source and another news source. To a, a believer, a true believer looks at this and sees a ton, thousands upon thousands of people who are most likely not saved dying on a daily basis, all for the carnal greed of some men who just need to establish their power. And and to a believer, you see, you see the situation and a true believer, in my opinion, the only thing that the only conclusion you can come to is that the we're coming to the point where Christ will return, and what we need to do is just bring as many people as we can.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: That's that's truly the only thing you can do. Of course, yeah, help where you can help, like Sergio saying, be that missionary. We are called to help people who are in need. We are called to feed those who are hungry. Yes, that's all good and true. But as far as getting involved on a on a political level, on a personal level where we're starting to take sides. Mark said it perfectly. We're part of a greater nation than this. And regardless of whatever problems are, we are occurred, whatever whatever the next thing is too, because this will eventually this will die out and something else will take its place and something else will start dividing the church. Something else will start dividing households. We have to remember that we are children of Christ. And if we don't have him at the center of what we believe in, and we have nothing and if we can't stand firm on our faith in him then then maybe that maybe that faith isn't true maybe you're not really saved maybe you need to examine where your faith truly lies in if it's built upon sand that can just crumble next week
3: I like what you said there mark where thousands of unbelievers are gonna die um, without it probably ever getting to know Christ uh, I was talking to my brother-in-law who Um, who's a missionary there. Um, And I asked him, like, what can I do? Because he's, you know, born in Ukraine. He's also got, I can't say, like, Ukrainian pride as in, you know, oh, like a full-blown nationalist, but he loves his people. He loves his church, and he loves his countrymen. But well, and
2: I don't think any of us are saying that's wrong, yeah. by the way, because I know we, we're kind of taking a stance of like, no, yeah. like, I'm proud to be an American. Like I'm proud of the fact that I, I, I was born here, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. There is a level where it becomes an issue.
3: Especially if we're here um, and we're fighting amongst ourselves when this is not where the war is being fought. You know what I mean? If you truly believe it, go on those grounds and fight. That's a separate topic altogether. <laughs> um, but... <laughs> I'm just thinking like um he, I asked him what can I do and he said to pray for um this for peace to happen and to pray for um there to be no as little bloodshed as possible from both sides to pray for the Russians specifically and I'm thinking this guy he I know he loves his country and I know he loves his people yet he's praying for the enemy who's coming to invade their homes because as a Christian he sees again their Unsaved souls who are going to their peril
1: mm-hmm. yeah amen that's a segue I think it, it's a I think this <laughs> is a very segue. good segue because <laughs> a lot a of hope. the
2: conflict that we face when these kinds of situations come around is because we don't have a full understanding or grasp of that faith that we have of the hope that we have in that faith and without that it's it's no It's no surprise that churches fall apart. It's no surprise that Christians start falling apart. It's no surprise that marriages will be split over these menial, foolish, just earthly problems. And yet we see that it does happen. Sorry. So what are we
0: reading today? We are reading a uh, passage that we went over um, with our church youth Bible study not too long ago. Uh, First Peter... Chapter 3, verse 15. And Peter writes, But in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason, for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. It's a very interesting verse that we hear come across, you know, told to us or something very often, but I don't think a lot of people know how to respond to this properly or well or might be confused by it so i've thought maybe uh to take a little bit of a break from ephesians um to talk about this issue i think it might be now better to talk sooner than later just because of how the direction that some of our countries are going in not just russia ukraine but even america itself some of the political things that are being pushed some of the laws that are being passed it's uh it's getting harder and um to be a christian and without you know People talking down on us used to be felt like we were very accepted or for the most part. But now it's like we're as if we're the, uh, quote, quote, oppressor of everybody else, which is not the case. So how does one um, and I guess the emphasis I was planning to make on this verse is about the uh, given a defense uh, and the hope that is in you, the reason for the hope that is in you. So that's kind of the emphasis for today's discussion.
4: So I want to start with. when when I was preparing for this um, passage, I w- we were talking about this earlier, that going into this, I thought this passage was about apologetics, about defending your faith, and giving reasons why Christianity is the correct, correct way, a defense against, um, you know, evolution, and all those other points, like more like scientifical, correct, archaeological like type. a logical, uh, you know, um, arguments, but i after reading this and doing some hermeneutics on this <laughs> i feel like the context does not it's not that it doesn't point to that no the context does not point to that but there is a place for apologetics absolutely there's a place for logic and actually debating it on the you know intellectual level but this is not it and i think mark um i think he has a good i think he has something prepared about an outline of like the context of who Peter is writing to here, mm-hmm.
0: and who's he actually addressing? It's very cool that Mark prepared that because I prepared that as well. I do want to quickly just uh so you mentioned apologetics. What is that?
2: Apologetics is always when apologize. you do something wrong and you apologize <laughs> <laughs> profusely, <laughs> nonstop.
3: <laughs>
2: that is not the true translation. I'm sorry. I'm sorry.
0: <laughs> what does it mean? It's
4: it's pretty much a defense of your faith, right?
0: Yeah. So. Yes. It comes from the Greek word. Do you have the Greek word? Do you know the Greek word? Is it word? apologia or something
2: like yeah. that? Apologos
0: yeah. or something. Apolo- <laughs> apologia. <laughs> apologia. Which means to give an argument or a statement or to um, de- defend your belief or your current accusation. To give a defense. To give a defense. Yep. to give a defense. So like you guys said, context is very important because in this specific passage, like you said it's not about necessarily proving that christianity is true right right that's that's where apologetics actually is today it's about using you know faith-based arguments it's used about scientific evidence it's about using archaeological evidence about trying to prove that hey christianity is true from genesis to revelation a to z everything is true about it but that's not what we are that's not what this specific passage talks about um, so how do we get to this passage? Quick question Start from chapter 1.
4: Quick question. Genesis. Is is that Greek word contained in yes. that passage?
0: Yes. In the original
3: language. Okay. Just wanted to get that out. Then. Yeah. It is. Mark chapter 1 verse 1 Genesis First Peter
0: <laughs> You want to read all of sure. chapter
3: 3? Yeah, well, I do, but we're probably not going to. That's Alex's job.
0: (laughs) I'm not going to read it. I'm just going to see a couple verses and read the
2: whole thing.
3: I guess we look at it from a hermeneutic, right? Who's writing this? Uh, Chapter 1, verse 1. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ. Question 2. Who is he writing to? So what's the target audience? To those who are elect exiles, to the dispersion of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. So he's writing to the Jews and Gentiles, Jews and Gentiles of the dispersion, right? Exiles of the dispersion. Mm-hmm. So can you, you kind of talked about it a little earlier, Vlad, and I don't know if you can give a, just a little detail on what that means. What specifically? Like who are the exiles in the dispersion?
4: So they're essentially Christians um, in, in Asia Minor, Mm-hmm. Uh, Rome Christians because the word elect, right? Right. So they're spread out um, and they're in exile. And Paul is Peter is writing to them because they're suffering persecution under Nero at that time. Um, so they're suffering really great persecution. And Peter writes to them pretty much telling them how they're He's writing
0: in their from title. Rome. Yes. He's already in Rome right writing first and second Peter.
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it's the time of the Roman Empire. Yeah, That's yeah, kind
0: of, yeah, definitely the time of the Roman Empire.
3: And I think a good portion of 1 Peter is talking about, not a good portion, but he's mentioned it multiple times up to this point, about um, being exiled, but also about being reviled for your faith. Um, so I think there's a few verses that we can read that are leading up to this point. But I think we can get there when we actually talk about what he means by defense. I don't know if you wanted to start from the very beginning of verse 15 and look at the word but, kind of leading us to understand that it's a continuation of a thought.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so... Um, That's what I would do. Were you going to go over the outline of First Peter or no?
3: Both yes and no, because uh, not like the whole
0: book. Let me just give a, a quick like five point... Yeah, let's do uh, that. ...outline of leading up to this verse yep. so to start out with peter you have his greeting that he talks about and then he talks about being born again as a living christian right mm-hmm. um in chapter one and then as he talks about christ and the salvation that he has performed for us that we are called to live up to that right we are called to be holy because god is holy peter states that stated in the old testament that's where he gets it from and he states that in chapter one as well and then moving on, he says that... That's a hint because it's also in verse 15. Yeah. because um, So he talks about Christ, what he did. He Christ talks about what we are called to be. And then he talks starts in chapter two talking about our foundation, mm-hmm. what we are to put our hope on, what our salvation is built on, which is Christ himself. He talks about the cornerstone, which is something that Christ himself talked about during his ministry. And then so he, part of that, he kind of pivots the conversation a little little bit talking about submission to authority and that's important because i mean that's where our persecution kind of comes from is from Mm -hmm. authority yeah um and so he talks about authority and that we are to obey authority pretty much no matter what as long as it does not contradict the bible that's a whole separate conversation on its own but we're not going to talk about that in details we're just going to talk about the fact that scripture calls us to submit to authority no matter if you're a slave if you're an employee if you're a a kid, if you're a a member of a congregation to a pastor, if you're a wife, even if you're a husband, husbands have authority too, which is Christ himself. So we are to submit to authority to our presidents, to our mayors, to our governance. And he does actually talk about the relationship between a husband and wife in chapter three and the whole submission thing and the respect and uh, living with understanding. Uh, So he takes it from like a very broad government level down to the personal family level about submission and respect and then further on in chapter three, he talks about suffering. Um, he mentions suffering in chapter one as well uh, in verses six and seven saying that if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, tested of your genuine faith. And then he goes back to suffering again in chapter three, verse starting from like verse eight. And so this is where it comes in. And the context of verse 15 is when you are suffering for Christ, and when they ask you about your faith, are you ready to tell him why you believe what you believe, right? So I'll just read in context from verse 13 through 17, just to give us a little bit more. And so he says, now, who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. And so that kind of gives us the context. And then later on, he talks about being stewards and so forth and so on, and, and um, being humble, and being shepherds of the flock, called to elders, um, that goes a little bit, pivots to a different conversation. But this is about suffering for Christ, uh, pretty much what Peter himself went through, what Paul went through, what the church that he's, or the churches that he's writing through, two are currently going through. It's not just someone's making fun of you. It's not just someone's you know poking fun of you for the sake of laughs or conversation. Like this is legit persecution for your faith. And so he says, during these times when people ask you, are you ready to make
2: a defense? Do you know how to do that? So, do you think this, so the way you guys are kind of talking, if someone, for example, like if a lot of our listeners might be in college right now, if someone approaches them and starts arguing with them about their faith, this doesn't necessarily apply to them in that circumstance, right? This is a little deeper than just like. I think it overlaps. Yeah. I can't say that it just does not apply. I think it overlaps, mm-hmm. definitely. Um, but, but the, the persecution he's talking about is like actual, like yeah. people are losing their lives, not just necessarily arguing arguments, the, right? The best
0: example that I can come up with for this type of, you know, scenario that I think he's talking about is Steven and his sermon that he, or his, um, I forgot the term he said, his speech that he gave before the consul. And then he was pretty much martyred and stoned mm-hmm. to death. And he, you know, he gave so much detail. You can read it in Acts chapter seven, but pretty much that way he, Paul, Peter and John themselves kind of did it too in Acts chapter four, because they were, put before a consul, they didn't talk as much as Stephen did, but it says that they uh, were filled with the Holy Spirit, although it doesn't say that about Stephen at that time, at least. But at that time, when Peter and John were before the consul in Acts chapter 4, it says they were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they were able to... Say, and if you were just like, it's like such simple things that they say, like, it's better for us to listen to God than to you men. Like, you yourselves judge, you know, what, what we're saying is it true or not type of deal. Like, it seems like a simple statement, but like... Can you come up with something like that? Like, can do you actually believe what you're saying? Do you even know how to answer that? So, yeah, I think that there's definitely overlap because a simple, innocent conversation, someone asking you about your faith can become pretty hostile pretty quick if you don't know how to, you know, properly answer that. Yeah. I, I think, think it,
4: go ahead. In the context of this, I really think it's about righteous persecution because uh, verse 14, but if you should suffer for righteousness sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear, nor be troubled. And it jumps into that. If I can mm. jump into uh, chapter one, okay. verse seven, so that... Too far. No. Just kidding. So that the testing, the test of genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold, that perishes through uh, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor and revelation of Jesus Christ. Essentially saying, when you go through the fire for your faith, you're being persecuted in that time, you know, you're being purified and your hope because of big word here is hope in Jesus Christ and others will come to you. Look, you're going through such persecution. Why are you so steadfast? Why are you so unwavering? Why are you so grounded? Tell me a reason why in the midst of all this persecution, you're still standing. Tell me, why do you believe what you believe?
2: So, do you think this is something that necessarily applies to us in the modern-day church here in, you know, Charlotte, North Carolina, or in whatever peaceful American city you live in? Because for the most part, I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I haven't really seen any of that fiery persecution on Christians, right? Because I'm not, I'm not trying to like be a thorn in your side here, but like, I want, I think there is an importance to understanding that when you're driving down the road and you see like a gay pride flag, that's, that's not really persecution, right? Like you need to be clear that that's not the same thing as people literally being stoned to death. Like I wouldn't even there's call a that little, persecution. that's, but that's what I'm saying. Like, and I think that is important to clarify necessarily because I'm, as far as I'm concerned, all of our listeners live, you know, here in America where there, that's pretty much as far as it really gets. There can be moments where people are bullied or, or maybe even, I would say, I guess, hurt for their faith. I, I've never seen it happen, personally. But I think it's important to establish that because I think, just like we all kind of assumed going into this, we all, or at least I did with Vlad, we had kind of a different understanding of what this verse was. Which was usually what we're saying here, like, oh, wow, Starbucks supports the other people wow. the life other is people. so difficult for us here how could they that's it i'm only drinking what, what's christian coffee i Pumpkin don't
4: know donuts? There's, no <laughs> such thing.
2: there's no such thing well there you go we're <laughs> if not I, drinking if coffee anymore coffee you know shop, we can it's, call it it's called coffee. uh your home brew. <laughs> there you go
3: holger's <laughs> at home but then how do you know who roasts your beans you know you
2: gotta drink black rice where do you coffee. get the water
3: from <laughs> uh stop me If I'm wrong, stop. No, I haven't said (laughs) anything yet, but I know I'm wrong. You're thinking it. (laughs) Because I have a feeling sometimes I overstep the bounds in trying to understand the target audience. So imagine this. He says to the exile of the dispersion. So what is an exile and what is the dispersion? Because we kind of talked about it, but not really. They had to leave their homeland because Mm -hmm. they were being persecuted. Mm -hmm. So very similar, but not for the same reasons as to what's happening in Ukraine right now. There's people leaving their whole livelihood behind with a briefcase with their clothes on their back and that's all they have with them. You know what I mean? So that's what they're doing. And then Paul here, or Peter, sorry, he's, even in chapter one, he starts talking about, treasure that is incorruptible that doesn't fade. You know what I mean? And it's just, and he also keyword is also an inheritance verse four to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled and unfading kept in heaven for you. So like that's these people left everything they have behind, but he's saying that the hope that you have in Christ, it's in heaven waiting for you. And it's, nobody's going to be able to take it away from you and it doesn't perish just like everything that you left behind right now. So at the same time, They're here. There could be two different things. Um, I think you're right about that. It's talking about when they're righteous persecution, Mm -hmm. Um, but it's very similar to kind of what we talked about before with Alex wearing his shirt. You know what I mean? They left and then people, even people who maybe I'm going too far on this out of context, but even people who weren't persecuting them could see them moving into their city and be like, why are you here? Or also, why do you have this hope in your heart? And like at that time, you can also be given a defense. And I, don't, I think that's not necessarily what this passage in First Peter 3 is talking about, but I think that could play an, a role in our understanding of who, who
0: the target audience is. So if I were to ask you a question, and this is open for anyone to answer, if I were to ask you, like, you believe in Christ? Why? Mm-hmm. How would you answer that? Nice. Alex. <laughs> <laughs> was, that, was that targeted to Alan?
3: Yes.
4: <laughs> <laughs> Alex, why are you so quiet? <laughs> <Ain't no> money.
0: <laughs> it, what is your point with that question? What are you trying <laughs> that, to get that's at? the question. <laughs> the, that's what the verse is talking about. Make a defense for the mm-hmm. hope that is in you. Your hope is Christ, right? right. Salvation, right? right? That you, yep. if you die, you're going to heaven. Why is that your hope? Because we hope in the promise of God that he
4: is God, that he came, died, rose again, and that we are hoping, our hope is in him, that he will return and, and um, we will be with him forever. That is our hope and that's what grounds us when we're going through suffering, when we're going through trials, is that we're grounded in that
3: truth. Our hope is also in our salvation because yeah. we are saved. Otherwise our end is doom. If we, first, I think we have to believe that for our, for every sin, the punishment is death. And so there is no way for us to avoid it, but in Christ. So he is our hope in that as well, that he has saved us, but he's done more than just save us. He's given us an inheritance, kind of like what Peter talks about in uh, chapter one, verse four. Mm-hmm.
4: So in verse 15, it says, uh, Anyone who asks you for the reason for the hope. So what is the reason? Christ. Yeah. Yeah. God, Christ. So the reason is Christ. And
3: for the hope that is in you. I think the reason is the gospel. Could be
0: too. Well, because you you have to. Before the gospel was Christ.
3: Christ is the gospel.
0: Yeah. But Christ was there before the gospel. Yeah, but he is the gospel. He became the gospel. The gospel, the gospel is Christ. Yes, but I mean, Christ was foreknown before the world. Before, yeah, I know. Before the gospel was established. Yes, we know today in the time that we live in, because we live in time, God's the work, outside of time.
3: The work of salvation is the gospel message. Because even while Christ was on the earth, he was proclaiming the good news. Mm-hmm. Right. And he even said the kingdom is
0: already at hand. Already at hand. Yeah. But it wasn't before. Exactly. Yes.
3: But the, the, in part of the gospel, the gospel does not go, the gospel is Christ, but it's also, I think it includes the bad news. Yes. So technically the gospel is the good news. I think that's the actual name for it, right?
0: But Christ is eternal. The gospel is the
3: Yeah, good. but you need to understand the bad news first. So mm-hmm. I think in order to explain your hope, you have to do both. Yeah. Because if you just say Christ, I think it's like a a good example where, you know, Christ saved me from a sin. Why is Christ?
0: You kind of mentioned this earlier. Why is Christ the gospel? Why is that so important for our hope? Mm -hmm. What's in it that is so important? You kind of mentioned it earlier. I'm not sure if you uh, remember. Are you looking for a keyword? Kind of maybe you want to say there's, it? there's many things. There's, uh, there's not just one sentence or one word answer to this. There's parts, I believe. And you already mentioned several of them, but you just kind of mentioned them in one word. I want to expand it on a little, just a little bit. More. Is it hope? But, well, hope? yeah. What is, why do we hope on the gospel and, and Christ? Like out of all people, Christ, why do we hope on him specifically? Not Abraham, not Moses, not Joseph or Peter. Forgiveness and
3: salvation. Okay, good, good direction you're
0: going in the right direction. Just that's say it, it. Search. No, that's more. I want to milk it. it. Just I'm, <laughs> it. I'm not milking it. We're like
3: a bunch of donkeys, when he's got a <laughs> carrot. He's you milk, milk donkeys? there. No, I was going with the donkey and the
0: carrot. Uh, I'm not sure how that relates. You just like wiggle a carrot in front yes, of the donkey. And he, and he keeps. Yes. No. No, but it's, it's exactly that because, because you mentioned earlier, what's the reason? The reason is Christ. Well, what's so special about Christ that makes him our reason? That's where I'm getting at. Mm-hmm. I'm just trying to follow along our thought process. We all know it. I just want our hearers, hearers, listeners to hear it. But in
4: your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy. Because he is God.
3: He's God. He's a supreme being. But in your hearts. And that's something that I wanted to point out. But I wanted to answer Serge's question first. I I'm trying to, to answer back. it with that. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> that Christ is holy. He is God. And he has
4: the authority um, and he's the only hope because what he has done, what he has promised and we are what we are hoping for, um, for the future
3: return of Christ mm-hmm. and the redemption. Mm-hmm. And we also hope in his constant intercession on our behalf mm-hmm. as the high through priest the holy spirit yep yep in that, was Hebrews. Another,
0: that was another part i was going to bring up about his intercession and being our advocate but uh, you are absolutely right peter talks about this in chapter 1 verse 20 21 he says he was foreknown before the foundation of the world but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you who through him are believers in god who raised him from the dead uh, of course, crucifixion came first, for the sake of you, uh, for the sake of you who threw him, raised him from the dead, and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God. So that uh, kind of puts a confirmation or wraps wraps up the idea of the fact that he died for our sins, right? He was risen from the dead for the sake of us, so that we have that hope that we will be with God again, because Christ was able to come back to life and be taken up to God and be seated at his right hand. Like you guys mentioned, he's currently interceding on our behalf. So like you said, Christ was, like he says, Christ was foreknown. he was made manifest, mm-hmm. right? He came, mm-hmm. he died, he preached, he died for our sins. He was risen. Mm-hmm. And he went to God. He's currently interceding for us. He reigns. Mm-hmm. He, and he reigns. Right? We talked about that in Ephesians that everything was is at his footstool. He's got it, the power over everything.
4: It actually says it. First uh, Peter three twenty two. First um, Peter three twenty two. Of course, I can't find it right now. <laughs> three twenty two.
3: Who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God with angels, authorities, and powers having been subjected to him.
4: Mm -hmm. That he has full authority, has power, and everything is subject to him. Mm -hmm. Kind of going off of what you said. I want to
3: say something. Go ahead. I might be going back a little bit.
0: Podcasts are. It's fine.
3: Okay. Um, Only you're allowed to go back. Chapter 1, I think he, Peter has a very similar approach to at least Paul in this epistle, where he talks about doctrine, he talks about um, theology here in chapter 1. He, he just talks about God, he talks about our hope in him. He's mentioned He mentions hope multiple times here, we can probably go back and read it. Um, and then in chapter 2 how that's applied in our lives, in our spiritual lives as Christians and how there's a foundation being laid. There's very similar talk about we're part of a building. We're part of a body. Um, And then here in chapter three is kind of an application. Like you were talking about also in a little bit in chapter two, there's a a verse that I wanted to read kind of like how we ought to behave. Uh, Chapter three, verse eight. Finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender, tender heart, and the humble mind do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless. For to this you are called, that you may obtain a blessing. And then he says, he quotes a passage of scripture: For whoever desires to love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. And his eyes and his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. And then he goes on and says, Now who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? Very good comparison to Romans 13 that we read on Monday. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you guys haven't read it, it's pretty good. Read it. Um, But even if you should suffer for righteousness sake, Mm -hmm. you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. And then he, like, But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense. So, again, going back to verse 14, but even if you should suffer for righteousness sake, that you were talking about, like, because verse 13 says, who is going to actually harm you if you're actually doing good? But even if they do harm you while you're doing good, um, have no fear of them, nor be troubled. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared. And I was just thinking, like, honor your hearts, honor Christ in your heart. Yeah. Uh, But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy. And like, what does that mean? And how does that play in our lives? Like, honestly, you know what I mean?
4: Uh, Kind of reminds me, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Mm -hmm. Um, When you honor somebody, you kind of, um, you don't put them in reproach. You kind of... what I'm trying to say is when we honor Christ, we follow his precepts and what he has left for us. And mm-hmm. we honor him by following him and not doing sin, not committing sin. We uh, live it. We're, we're imitating him and we're living the life that he told us to live. We're following his yeah. footsteps. I got,
3: we, I got
0: something to say, but go ahead.
3: Like there's a passage that you quoted in chapter one, when it says, um, be holy because he is holy. Mm-hmm. Um, and then talking about, so we know Christ is holy, but here it says, it's not like, okay, we all know Christ is holy, but in your heart, do you honor him as holy? And that's like a calling for our, for Christians. And I think it's something that's supposed to be done at all times because he, he later on goes to say, always being prepared to make a defense. So he's saying, if you're honoring him in your heart as holy, you will always be prepared, you know what I mean? almost to that extent where this is an ongoing thing. It's not like I come to church on Sunday, I prepare for podcast. That's when I have to honor Christ as holy. It's in every single thing that we do. So that way they could find no reproach in anything that we do. Because even he says, now who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? So if you're constantly doing good, constantly being a good example, and always at that time honoring Christ in your heart as holy, like actually living a life I think it's living living a life in such a way that even people would look at you and be like, obviously Christ is holy in his life.
0: Okay. Do you have anything to add on, Mark, before I say my thing? No, you can go, man. Are you sure? Yeah. All right. So um, I'm going to answer your question, Mark, with my, with a question. I'm going to phrase my answer in the form of a question, and then you can tell me if I'm right or wrong. Um, so do you think that honoring Christ in your heart as holy uh, would it be right to compare it to this scenario that Christ himself went through during his suffering and trial before his persecution, when he was captured, beaten, judged and accused uh, for pretty much for righteous sake. And all he did was be quiet and answer people in the way saying you say that I am or if no one gave you this power, you wouldn't be able to release me or crucify me as he answered to Pilate. right? but he pretty much just kept quiet. Why? Because he wasn't there to justify himself. He wasn't there to um, you know, die for the sake of dying. He was there to fulfill God's will, right? That was his reason for being there and doing that. So when we are persecuted for our faith, for our righteousness sake, do you think this applies in the same sort of way that we are just, I don't wanna say just let it happen, but you do it humbly, And with a Christ-like manner, you don't pick
4: up arms and you don't rebel. You don't, you know, go against the government. I think here it's like in gentleness, having a good conscience so that when they slander, those who are valuing good behavior in Christ may be put to shame for it is better. Here it's talking about words.
3: It's not talking about physical attacks. Yeah, I don't think this just saying
0: talks about physical attacks,
3: but it could be so taken, well, you obviously wouldn't take up arms if somebody says something mean to you and you got offended. Well, it can be both. I mean, if if you're but being that's persecuted. not what it's here in this well, I
0: passage. Think, I think I don't know if you're relating it to what's going on in Russia and Ukraine right now. I think that's that scenario is a little different. I don't think I think we can all agree that they're not just being persecuted just because they're a Christian country because technically Russia is a Christian country too of the same faith, but um, you know, like I don't think you know, many of those people have to take up arms. Christians are not at this what point. What if we take... Uh, I, think that, I think that kind of context, I think that scenario is a little different than what... What we're
4: if we apply the scenario arms. of last year and the restrictions where churches were being shut down based on safety guidelines and then people like John MacArthur and others said, no, uh, we're going to keep our church open. We're going to do what we do.
3: That's honoring Christ as mm-hmm. holy, I think. Yeah.
0: Well, he gave the people the choice to come or not. He didn't force anyone to come to church. No, that's not what we're talking yeah, about. Yeah, but I think, I think what he did is righteous and justified, Yeah. especially with with the plus of the freedoms that we have in this country because not every country has this of Like yeah. Canada wouldn't be able to do that. Yeah. Pastors are being arrested for that. Yeah, but I mean, even those that are being arrested, <laughs> I think that they are doing the right thing. They're, they're standing behind their convictions. Yeah. yeah,
4: but what what I'm trying to get at is that you are having a good conscience, that you're being persecuted, you're suffering, but you're not acting out.
3: You're not.
0: How should I say this? Being hostile and violent. Yes. Okay. Because you, is that is that what it's talking about here? I think there's a deeper meaning. I think that's part of that's more of a superficial. But I think the good conscience means like, yeah. like inside you have peace about what you're doing. Like you have, like you said, convictions is that you're not doing this just because, oh, I'm going to be a martyr. I'm going to be known. People are going to write books of me. I don't think that's a clear conscience um, type of deal. Um, but I think like you are convicted that what's happening right now is because of your faith in Christ. Nothing else. No other reason. There's no other reason why people are doing, you know, allowing pushing this suffering on you other than because you are a follower of Christ.
3: Yeah. I think here it's, it's talking specifically about our defense or am I wrong? Uh, Because he says being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you yet do it. What's it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience. So if you're doing what's it, having a good defense,
4: when you're giving your defense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do it with respect and gentleness.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's, it's it's going do it okay. talking specifically about the defense. So then what is really the defense? Is it us talking about our hope in Christ or is it this Christian living? It's the uh, living both, both right? Yeah. Cuz here in further on having a good conscience so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame it is better to suffer for doing good if you should be if that should be god's will than for doing evil
0: yeah so it's both behavior and speech
4: Mm -hmm. um let me paint a scenario kind of what our parents and our grandparents went through and see if i'm off um so the church of christ in the former soviet union was being persecuted Uh, many of them were being killed thrown into prison mistreated um for their faith, right? They were slandered. They were pretty much the lowest citizens because they would not follow the party that was in power, the the what is it, the red yeah, party. Yeah, you couldn't
3: get a higher education. Right. Even if you were able to get through grade school. Yeah, so you were you were like
4: nothing in that society. And if you lived a righteous life, you took the janitor's job when you were an engineer, you took the janitor's job because you didn't want to go with what the government was saying. You didn't want to reject your faith. And you were suffering essentially for your faith because you stood on your principles and what you believed in and people would look down on you and they would, the church would be persecuted in in other words. Would this apply where you are being persecuted and then somebody who's not a believer, they come to you like, how are you going through this? You were the highest engineer in this Uh, factory or this university and now you're mopping up floors why are you doing this is it worth it for you why where is your hope and like why are you doing what you're doing and then this is kind of where it goes into says be always prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks for the reason for your hope that is in you like why what's making you endure through all this suffering why are you still holding on to your faith through all that is happening to you because Christ said it would happen. Do you think this is kind of what it's talking about here? Like could we paint that situation into that? I think so
0: partially because Christ said that people are going to do this to you if you are mine. Christ said that, right? He said to his disciples that people will persecute you because yeah. you are my followers and this is exactly what happens and when does that ha- and when that that does happen? And they ask you, are you are you able to make a defense as to why you're to your hope? Yeah, to your hope. What you hope for? Are you able to explain to the people to the reason for your hope? Yeah, yeah. Your hope, the reason for your faith, what your faith is, who Christ is, and all that. Like, in in simple, in, I kind of want to say in simple fourth grade English, right? Like, can you explain to people why you are literally being brought in front of them? And it goes
4: back to what all the things that you listed. It says. What is our hope? Mm-hmm. It's Christ. Mm-hmm. Why Christ? Because all the things you lifted, uh, listed off that he is mm-hmm. son of God, that he uh, was incarnate, he was suffered, died, reigned, rose again, and his return. That is our hope. Mm-hmm. And if we stand on that as our foundation, other people will be drawn to that. They'll see like he's living on a different level than we are. Yep. He's looking into eternity And he doesn't care what happens in this life. He's almost too good for this world. He's almost an ambassador for Christ that he is representing heaven. Does anybody else
0: have anything you want to add on before we wrap up?
3: A lot. Let's go. Part two. Chapter one. Uh, Chapter one, verse three. I wanted to bring up a few kind of to just maybe wrap it up, but also kind of give an answer about hope. Uh, Because Peter actually brings up three times, I think I've counted in the first chapter on, he mentions hope. And I think maybe we can get a better understanding of what he's talking about. I think we have the right answer. But verse three, blessed be the God of our father, Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So we have been born again to a living hope and our hope is in Christ. Verse 13, therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So here he's saying to set your hope fully entirely, your entire hope on Jesus Christ who will be revealed when he comes back. So again, in Christ, verse 21, who Through him are believers in God who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. So our hope is in God. And there's, so what is the reason for our hope is because of who he is and because he is God, but as well as because of what he's promised that he will do because he is God and he keeps his promises. Mm -hmm. And I think there's so much more that we can, that can be said about this.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, definitely
3: it's just it's a very
0: interesting interesting and
3: beautiful verse you you guys want to finish it off
0: mark you got anything to add on no i think vlad has a good way of
4: end it what do you have in mind man yet do it with gentleness and respect
3: what do you guys think of that i feel like we just talked about that (laughs) could be both I think it depends on the application, but to always be gentle and respectful towards those who persecute you, even though they may do things that are evil in your eyes. If you're talking directly back to them or talking about them, for instance, if you were exiled to a different country and somebody asks you, what are you doing here and what's your hope in living here? And you'd be like... Those Romans, oh, I hate them so much. They're so evil, blah, 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 blah. But with gentleness and respect, you can always say things, even about those who persecute you. So, can your response um hurt your testimony? Absolutely. I think so.
0: Absolutely. I feel the best example for us is Christ himself, not just when he was beaten, when he was judged, and all of that, because we all know, like, he's reading the scriptures, he never said a hostile remark. He never reviled them. He never rebuked them. He was quiet. He never yelled at them or called down angels, legions to get rid of all this. He actually went forward. But when he was actually hanging on the cross and the thing that he said, right, forgive them for they know not what they do. Right. Like your response can't be more gentle and good than that. Yeah. And
4: I'm always reminded by, um, it's just the way in politics and everything that works out a person can have a good policy idea they can say the right things but how they said it or who they said it to, everybody pinpoints on that on the response or how they said it, the way they phrased it, and they always mock the person on the way they they answered right and it just kind of goes back to how are we if people if people will um, they have nothing to say against our faith, but they'll judge us by how we acted. Mm-hmm. So and ending with that is just be careful how we respond. When people are trying to debate us and say, why do you believe what you believe? And they're trying to get a reaction out of us. A lot of people are trying, when they try to debate us, they're trying to bait us into doing something, to reacting. Mm-hmm. And it's very important for us to be vigilant and be like
3: very always answering with respect like the first mm-hmm. that's something that i need to work on <laughs> something we all need to work on i'm very sarcastic you know or sometimes i'll just answer something completely that's i just need to be more gentle and loving in general yep you
0: want to lead us into prayer vlad
3: let's do it
4: lord jesus say i'm so grateful for this opportunity to be together and to study your word um all the wisdom that you left for us and how we should be acting, how we should be walking and that our hope should be only in you, Lord, that we should be grounded in our faith and our hope should be only in you. We pray for the war that's happening in Ukraine and in Russia. We pray for peace. We pray for the division to end and we pray for Christians to be um, with open minds that we can only focus on you and now what's happening. And we pray for peace. I thank you for all that you do for us. And I pray for the leaders and give them wisdom. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.
2: Thank you for joining us today. We hope God was able to speak to your heart, so now you can go and share it with others. Feel free to leave any questions, prayer requests, or blessings. Join us on Instagram and share our podcast with others. And remember, always keep your heart in Scripture.